Matthew chapter 1, verses 19 through 25. Of the great commentary of Cornelius Elipedi, St. Matthew's Gospel, by Cornelius Elipedi. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Then Joseph, her husband, being a just man, and not willing to make her a public example, was minded to put her away privily. 1. St. Chrysostom, St. Augustine, and Justin Martyr are of the opinion that Joseph suspected evil of the Blessed Virgin, as though she had conceived by another man. They think that this is hinted at in the expression, make her a public example. But we say, far be any such suspicions concerning a virgin so holy, or a man so just. How indeed could Joseph have suspected adultery in such a wife, or uncleanness in her parents' house? 2. Others think that Joseph wished to put away the Blessed Virgin out of extreme reverence, because he thought himself unworthy to have to wife one who was with the child by the Holy Ghost. Whence they are also of opinion that St. Joseph accompanied the Blessed Virgin when she visited Elizabeth, and heard her saluted as Mother of God, and therefore thought himself unworthy of her. This is the opinion of Origen, St. Basil, Theophylact, and St. Bernard. St. Bridget asserts that the same was revealed to her, whence Salmern supports the same opinion by thirteen reasons. But three, plainly and surely, Joseph, seeing the Blessed Virgin with child, was astonished at the novelty of the thing, and his mind was agitated by contending and fluctuating emotions, and he reasoned somewhat in this way, I know that this virgin is most holy, Wherefore, I do not believe that she has been false to her troth, plighted to me. Still, she is with child, and I know not by me, but by whom I know not. Can it be by a former husband, or can she have suffered violence on her journey when she went to visit Elizabeth? Can she have suffered illusion from some spirit during sleep, or what would be more consonant with her sanctity, is she with child by an angel, or by the deity himself? Well, however the case may be, I am unwilling to retain her, if an angel or God himself desires to have her. Wherefore, I will resign her and put her away from me. God permitted this to take place, in order that the conception of the Blessed Virgin by the Holy Ghost might be attested unto all, both by Joseph and by the angel. Thus God permitted St. Thomas to doubt concerning Christ's resurrection, that he, touching Christ's very wounds, might bear an irrefragable testimony to the same resurrection. Joseph, who was a righteous man, teaches husbands and believers not to suspect evil concerning just and holy persons upon slight grounds, but to wait for proofs. They should not be too ready to infer guilt, but should put the most favorable construction they can upon everything. You may ask why did not Joseph interrogate the Blessed Virgin, wherefore and by whom she was with child? I reply that it is merely the first thought which arose in Joseph's mind, which is referred to, and which out of modesty he kept to himself. And he was shortly afterwards anticipated by the angel, who answered in behalf of the Virgin, and exonerated him by saying that she had conceived by the Holy Ghost. The Blessed Virgin was unwilling of her own accord 
to make known this divine secret to Joseph, in order that she might not seem to boast of her own gifts, so wonderful and so divine. But she confided all to God and God's providential care, most certainly trusting that God would defend her good repute and her innocence, and either in his own time open out the whole matter as she had seen that he had lately done in the case of her cousin Elizabeth, or else would order all things to his own greater glory, and therefore to the greater honor and reverence of this, her conception. From whence see here and admire the greatness of soul, and the lofty resignation and confidence of the Blessed Virgin in God, whereby she put away from her all this peril and fear of dark suspicion and infamy, and herein she has given a singular example of equanimity and confidence to wives who have jealous husbands, that they too should put their trust in God, that God will make clear their innocence and chastity, will protect them and make them a praise, as he did in this case of the Blessed Virgin. Thus St. Jerome says, This is the testimony to Mary's purity, that Joseph, knowing her chastity, and wondering at what had happened, hides in silence the mystery of which he was ignorant. And St. Ambrose says, The Lord preferred that some should rather doubt concerning his own generation than concerning his mother's purity. It appears from all this that Joseph did not accompany the Blessed Virgin when she, very shortly after her conception of Christ, visited St. Elizabeth. For if he had been in her company and had seen and heard the great and wonderful things which befell her, they would have removed all his scruples, and he would not have thought of putting her away. And especially when St. Elizabeth said to the Blessed Virgin, Whence is this to me, that the mother of my Lord should come to me? He would have known from thence that not only had she conceived of God, but that she had conceived God himself and that she was carrying him in her womb. Observe that Joseph is here called just, that is, a man of probity, for inasmuch as he was one who wished, out of charity, to consult for the good fame, yea, even for the dignity of his spouse, when he thinks of putting away privily one whom he thought himself unworthy of. St. Jerome and Theophylact think that husbands were commanded by the old law to traduce and accuse before the judges their wives if they were guilty of adultery. But they adduce no place in which such a precept is given, for the passage in Numbers 5.2 only permits such a thing to be done, but does not order it. To make her a public example, not to send her away to her own house, as Abul thinks, for the Greek is parathigmatisi, that is, to disgrace, to defame, or, as St. Augustine says, rendering literally to make an example of. It was the custom in Crete to lead adulteresses through the midst of the streets, as they did captives at Rome, that they might be gazed at and derided. Whence then ancient punishment by law against bods. Let bods and adulterers be canned through the public streets of the city, that they may be reviled and derided and the line of Propertius, not even if the infamous one should traverse the whole city, was minded to put her away privily. 
by the way of secret divorce, giving her privily a bill of divorcement. As Abul says on the passage, or rather on a more honorable way for her, by leaving her on the plea for travel, of going away into a far country. So Maldonatus. Once the Syriac translates, and he thought of leaving her secretly, and the Arabic, since he did not wish to put her away to public shame, he thought upon a private dismissal. But while he thought on these things, he had evidently not resolved upon them, for this was his first thought, and, as it were, the first motive of his mind. Behold, the angel of the Lord appeared unto him in a dream, saying, Joseph, thou son of David, fear not to take unto thee Mary thy wife, for that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Ghost. Conceived, that is, at one and the same time, conceived, formed, and animated. For this is the proper meaning of genethin, that is, begotten, born. See Abul and St. Thomas, where he teaches that the body of Christ was in the very instant of its conception, as regards all its members, one perfectly formed and organized by the Holy Ghost, two animated with a reasonable soul, three assumed by the word, four that the soul of Christ was filled with all wisdom and the grace of that headship which flows from thence into all its members, i.e. to all the faithful, five, that the same soul saw God through the beatific vision, six, that the same had the use of reason, even apart from the beatific vision, by means of infused knowledge, and that in this way it knew that it was hypostatically united to the word, and therefore give God highest thanks because of this vision and exaltation, and that God revealed to the soul of Christ his own will concerning his death upon the cross, that he might thereby redeem and save mankind, and that the soul of Christ forthwith accepted this, and offered himself to God as a whole burnt offering, a victim for sin, for the salvation of the world, with the utmost humility, obedience, reverence, love, exaltation, and joyfulness of mind, saying, Lo, I come. In the volume of the book it is written of me, that I should do thy will. Yea, O my God, I am content to do it. Thy law is written in my heart. Psalm 39, 8 and Hebrews 10, 7. She shall bring forth a son, and thou shalt call his name Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sins. If Jesus, as follows from this, is Emmanuel, that is, God with us, if he is the offspring and the son of blessed Mary, as is here said, then she is not only mother of Christ, but mother of God, as defined by the Council of Ephesus against Nestorius. For mother and son are relative terms. Moreover, Valentinus is condemned by this passage, who taught that Christ brought down a celestial body from heaven and passed through the Blessed Virgin as through a conduit pipe, but she who bears a son is really the mother of the son and furnishes and indeed provides his body and all his limbs. Jesus, that is, Savior, this was Christ's proper name, here foretold by the angel, but given him at circumcision, a name which signifies and represents his office and dignity, yea, compendiously his whole life. Now all this was done, that it might be fulfilled which was spoken of the Lord, by the prophet saying, 
Behold, a virgin shall be with child, and shall bring forth a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which being interpreted is God with us. The Syriac is, they shall call his name Emmanuel, which is explained our God with us. The Persian has Emmanuel, that is, because God dwelt in us. The Egyptian version, and they shall give him the name Emmanuel, the interpretation of which is, for God is with us. St. Matthew to the reader, or as some think, the angel to Joseph, here brings forward the prophecy in Isaiah 7.14, to signify that it was now being fulfilled in this conception of the Blessed Virgin, his wife, and would be perfectly fulfilled when she brought forth. And therefore he called Joseph the son of David, because the same thing was promised by God to David. I have fully expounded this prophecy in my commentary on Isaiah 7, which see, Behold, a word exacting attention, consideration, and admiration. As it were, behold, O ye angels, and all mankind, see and admire a new and wonderful thing, a thing unheard of in all ages. For a virgin shall conceive and bring forth Emmanuel, that is, God made man. Whence Jeremiah, overcome with astonishment at the same event, exclaims, The Lord has created a new thing upon the earth. A woman shall compass a man. Cyrus, the first king of Persia, according to the testimony of Xenophon, never admired and taught his friends to admire nothing on earth. For this is the mark of a great and a regal mind, to despise all things as being beneath him, as being of less importance than himself. And Seneca said that a wise man admired nothing, because, being above the earth, he despised all things lower than himself. But in divine matters, all things are worthy of admiration, because they are great, yea, the greatest things, especially the mystery of Emmanuel, because it is the great mystery of divine godliness. As the Apostle says, 1 Timothy 3.10, Therefore the goodness of the great God is a thing to be astonished at and admired, who through the bowels of his mercy visited us, the day spring from on high. Behold, therefore, the infant word, the wise child, the God-man, says St. Bernard. Theologians and contemplative writers teach that we can consider and meditate upon this mystery in various ways, as by the method of compassion, of joy, of thanksgiving, of love, of imitation, but most loftily by wonder, as though we were always stumbling, amazed and astounded at this so great condescension of our God, whereby he deigned to descend to us worms of the earth, so as to become a worm with us, and this not for his own sake, but for ours, that he might unite men as worms to himself, and make them gods. Thus the Blessed Virgin was amazed, and thus too St. Paul, St. Bernard, and Francis, and other especially saintly persons, who plainly and entirely despised the world, and all things which are in the world, as being petty, brief, and transitory, and fixed their whole love, thought, and amazement on the Word incarnate, and had their conversation always with Jesus, despising all other things. Emmanuel, the Syriac has Amen Elohan, i.e. our God with us, but the word our is not the Hebrew Emmanuel. From the Syriac it appears possible that St. Matthew, if he wrote in Syriac, as many think, 
because the Jews for whom he was writing in the time of Christ spoke Syriac, interpreted the Hebrew Emmanuel by the Syriac Iman Eloha, or God with us. Munster and others have translated the Gospel of St. Matthew out of Latin into Hebrew, rendering the single Hebrew word Emmanuel by two, Emmanuel Elohim. Some think that this interpretation was made by the Greek translator, who was followed by the Latin. The French shorten Emmanuel to Noel, which they duplicate and sing at Christmastide. Now the name Emmanuel signifies the incarnation of the word, and his whole economy in the flesh, because by it he was properly and physically God with us, by means of his flesh and his conversation, and ethically by reconciliation and grace. So St. Chrysostom, you may say, how is the name Jesus the same as Emmanuel, as St. Matthew here intimates? Tertullian answers that it is the same in sense if not sound. For that God should be with us is the same thing as that a Savior, i.e. Jesus, should be with us. For none other than God could be our Savior. Observe the Hebrewism by which called is put for be. He shall be called Emmanuel. That is, he shall be Emmanuel. This is by the figure of speech, metonymy, to which the following passages are clearly similar. Jeremiah 23 Zechariah 8 and Isaiah 9, and his name shall be called Wonderful, Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. For all these things are signified, either explicitly or implicitly, by the name of Jesus. Note also that Christ is not called by Matthew and Isaiah, Emmanuel Jehovah, or Emmanuel Adonai, or Elohim, though all these are names of God, because Jehovah connotes the essence of God or signifies God as he is the first, chief, and uncircumscribable entity from whom all other entities derive their existence. Adonai connotes the dominion of God and signifies God as he is the ruler, the judge, and the avenger of all things. But El connotes the might and omnipotence of God and signifies God as he is strong and omnipotent. Because God manifested his utmost might and power in the Incarnation and in Christ. For through Christ he hath vanquished his strongest enemies, even the devils, hell, death, and sin, yea, and all sins and vices, however many and however great. Whence also the angel who announced this mystery was called Gabriel, i.e. the strength of God, Hence also tropologically observe, God is with us, not only in essence, presence, and power, as he is all and in every creature, but by the incarnation he is also with us truly, properly, and really, as a brother, living, speaking with us in the human nature assumed by him. Therefore, too, he is with us as a head with its members, for Christ as the head of the faithful causes to flow into them spiritual sense and motion, together with direction and government. 3. The same being incarnate is with us in the Eucharist, as it were our food, feeding us with his own flesh, and giving us to drink of his own blood. So far physically, for Christ ethically is with the church as a bridegroom with a bride, 
assisting, protecting, sustaining, adorning, making her fruitful. Whence the psalmist, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me. Psalm 23, 4. Therefore the believer in every difficulty, labor, and tribulation invokes Emmanuel, that is, God with us, conversant in our flesh, and joyfully he cries, The Lord is my shepherd, I shall lack nothing. He shall lead me in a green pasture, and lead me forth beside the waters of comfort. In Psalm 27, 1, The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom then shall I fear? The Lord is the strength of my life. Of whom then shall I be afraid? Though an host of men encamp against me, yet shall not my heart be afraid. And though there rise up war against me, yet will I put my trust in him. And with Paul, if God be with us, I with us, who shall be against us? So now to any believer, but especially to a saint or a martyr, it is lawful to say that the angel said to Gideon, The Lord is with thee, thou mighty man of valor. Judges 6.22 Then Joseph, being raised from sleep, did as the angel of the Lord had bidden him, and took unto him his wife, that is, did not put her away, but retained her with him, for this was what the angel commanded him. And he knew her not till she had brought forth her firstborn son, and he called his name Jesus. 1. St. Hilary, cited by St. Thomas, expound as follows, as the Jews were not able to look upon and recognize the face of Moses on account of the rays of light which God had, as it were, breathed into him when he talked with him on Mount Sinai, so neither was Joseph able to look upon and to know the Blessed Virgin. For as much as she had God in her womb, and therefore her face was most radiant, but after Christ was born, this glory and effulgence left her face, and then she could be seen and known by Joseph. 2. On the contrary, St. Epiphanius, that is, his treatise against the Ebonites, expounds thus, Joseph knew her, not in mind, he did not discover the sanctity and dignity of the Blessed Virgin, his wife, until she brought forth Christ. But these expositions are either incorrect or else symbolical and mystical. 3. Accordingly, therefore, to the true literal meaning, to know one's wife signifies in Scripture the conjugal act. This, therefore, is excluded with reference to Christ, so as to signify that he was not conceived of Joseph, but of the Holy Ghost. Until... For once the heretics have taken occasion to say that Joseph knew her after she had brought forth her son, whence they deny that the Blessed Virgin always remained a virgin, and that after bearing her child she lost her virginity. Thus Helvidius, Dovinian, the Ebonites, and the rest of the Antidicti Marianiae were confuted by St. Epiphanus, St. Jerome, St. Augustine, and others, who teach that the word until in this place only signifies what took place up to the time of the birth, not what happened after the birth, which is not referred to here. For by this word until, Matthew wished to assert a wonderful thing, a thing hereto unheard of, that according to nature, incredible, even the conception of Christ, without a father, by a virgin mother. Similarly, until is used, Psalm 110 to, Sit thou at my right hand, 
until I make thine enemies thy footstool, not because thou shalt not after that sit any longer, but because thou shalt then sit far more gloriously, as victor and triumphant at my right hand. And in Matthew 5.26, Thou shalt not come out thence until thou hast paid the uttermost farthing. That is, thou shalt never come out of the fire of hell. And Second Samuel 6.23, And Michael the daughter of Saul had no child unto the day of her death, i.e. never. And Genesis 8.8, 8, Concerning the raven which Noah sent forth out of the ark, it returned not until the waters were dried up, i.e. it never returned. Thus too we say St. Agnes continued a virgin until death, i.e. she always remained a virgin, for she could not lose her virginity after she was dead. You may urge, St. Matthew says, until she brought forth her firstborn son. Therefore she had other sons, by Joseph, namely those who in the gospel are called the Lord's brethren. I reply by denying the conclusion, for in scripture anyone is called a firstborn son who has no elder brothers, even though he be an only son. This is plain from Exodus 4.22 and 13.2. The word first denies the existence of any previous sons, but does not require or presuppose that there were any subsequent. Thus an only son is even now called the firstborn. Therefore it is the doctrine of the faith that the Blessed Virgin always remained a virgin, as is plain from St. Luke 1.34, Ezekiel 44.2, and by the universal consent of the fathers, and the common assent and perpetual tradition of the church. End of Matthew chapter 1, verses 19 through 25.